Welcome to the Sydney Ideas podcast series. Sydney Ideas is the University of Sydney's public events program, providing you with the opportunity to hear leading thinkers from our university and around the world. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to this Sydney Ideas lecture and welcome to the University of Sydney. Uh, my name is Professor Nick Anfield. I'm from the Department of Linguistics here at um, the University of Sydney and I'm head of something called the Post-Truth Initiative uh, here and so I'm naturally interested in all things fake news. Um, before we begin the proceedings, I want to acknowledge and pay respect to the traditional owners of the land on which we meet. The University of Sydney is built on ancestral Aboriginal land when we share our knowledge, teaching, learning and research practices within this university, we also pay respect to the knowledge embedded forever within the Aboriginal custodianship of country. Um, we're very pleased that um, we are hosting for the third year now, I think, um, the, the Sydney University's partnership with uh, the Chaser Lecture, the annual inaugural Chase a lecture every time, um, a satirical black tie fundraising event, so um, gladly in this satellite event, which we luckily have, you don't have to wear your uh, black tie, we um, get to welcome at the University of Sydney the international guests and um, it's our pleasure uh, today to have um, El Siguero Bipola coming um, to Australia. They're the fake news experts from Venezuela who will dissect what it means to live in a world of fabrication and its implications on our future. So you all know, of course, who they are and why you're here. Um, the format for the evening is a, um, there'll be a, a, some introduction and a uh, panel discussion here uh, with our guests and um, that will go for 30 minutes or so. Uh, and you will all have the opportunity then to um, ask questions. There'll be a slide at a certain uh, moment it will come up that um, will tell you uh, what the Wi-Fi access is here and we'll welcome you to tweet your comments and that kind of thing. Um, during the discussion um, before the sort of Q&A at the end, uh, please think about questions you'd like to ask. We want to open it up to a uh, conversation with our, with our guests so you will be all um, welcomed to, uh, to come and ask a question. So we talked earlier about um, having you tweet questions. So what we just decided is that um, we're going to do tweet questioning at the microphone, which means that if you have a question, uh, it can't be more than 280 characters, okay? <laughs> uh, and that's, uh, that's a dead set rule. So as soon as you go over 280 characters, Meredith Hall is going to come down and pull the microphone um, out of your hand. So uh, short questions are very uh, warmly welcome. Um, so um, I'm going to hand over to um, your uh, host, Julian Morrow. Uh, Julian Morrow has made a career of public nuisance in various forms, co-founding satirical media empire, the chaser and joke company giant dwarf. So if you want to buy jokes, I think he's uh, selling them later. Uh, as well as making TV shows inc including the election chaser, CNNNN, the chaser's war on everything, the hamster wheel and the checkout. Julian's work has been nominated unsuccessfully for many awards and prose <laughs> prosecuted successfully in many courts. So <laughs> I'll hand over to you, Julian. Thanks. Thanks very much, uh, Nick. It's a uh, very great pleasure to be here today for this Sydney Ideas event and uh, fantastic to share the stage uh, 
with Nick. Nick has a very impressive title, I think. This, this is the man who is the creator of the Post-Truth Initiative, which does sound a little bit like he is personally responsible for the Donald Trump presidency to me, but I'm sure that's not what it is. Uh, today, uh, for me, involves coming back to my old uni, so there's a sort of mixture of feelings, sort of nostalgia with post-traumatic stress thrown in <laughs> is how I'm feeling at the moment. But it is a great uh, pleasure to be here. Of course, I've worked a lot for the ABC, so I've got an, a, an obligation to be editorially balanced. So I also have to say it's also not a great pleasure to be here. Um, <coughs> uh, the association that we have uh, with the university uh, doesn't just go back to the days when we were uh, racking up hex bills, which I'm sure will be paid one day. Um, it's uh, in large part because uh, the university is uh, a very generous sponsor of this fake tradition that we invented a few years ago called, well it started off as the 16th annual inaugural Chaser Lecture. Last year we had our sesquicentenary uh, and, and this year it's the umpteenth inaugural, annual inaugural Chaser Lecture. Uh, but basically what it, it is about is bringing uh, to Australia people who work in a sort of Chaser-like space, imagine it's like the Chaser but funny, uh, in other parts of the world, but in places where freedom of speech is not a given. Um, and so I wanted to start by thanking the university for its um, uh, truly baffling support for the annual inaugural Chaser Lecture. I think it shows how deep their commitment to uh, freedom of speech is that they are, I mean, a deep, borderline unwise commitment to back the Chaser. Um, but we are hugely grateful for their support and we couldn't do uh, either the, the dinner or this event without the university. Um, uh, yet, the, the, the dinner is a black tie event and I've got to say, looking pretty casual out there, guys. I'm just, just noticing. Um, I actually got crickets for that joke. Did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> that's, um, <clears throat> I thought they were in my head normally, but no, that's, that, <laughs> that's the way it goes. All right, okay. Um, but it is uh, great to have here today uh, the founders and, and the writers and, and the current editor of El Jaguire B. Polar. Just out of, I just thought we'd do a little bit of audience consultation before we start. Um, who's heard of The Chaser? Here before. Right, okay. Who's who likes it? No, don't. Um, <laughs> who's heard of El Chiguire Bipolar? Yeah, excellent. All right, fantastic. Um, no, I'm not going to ask you better. Um, what I really notice is that in some ways there are things that are done similarly between the Chaser and El, El Chiguire Bipolar, but um, we do it in a very, very uh, privileged uh, and, and essentially safe uh, environment. Uh, that's not true of uh, the guys who you'll meet shortly. Um, although I am proud of the fact that even though they do new satire in an increasingly authoritarian dictatorship, the chaser has been arrested more times. Um, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with uh, El Chiguire, we thought we'd uh, begin with just a little video which tells you uh, who they are and what they do and hopefully I will be able to cue it. Now, let's just see. Here we go and... If you live in Venezuela and turn on the TV, everybody has one of those, by the way, you'll see this. For those who don't know who that fat dancer is, meet Nicolás Maduro, current dictator of Venezuela. But if you don't like watching dancing dictators and decide to change the channel, this is what you'll see. Or this. Or this. 
Hey, the man likes to party. But as you all know, what you see on TV is not always what you get, especially in countries like ours, where a small group led by a sad dancing buffoon clings to power. So, as I was saying, if you live in Venezuela and turn on the TV, you'll see this. But if you're lucky enough to have a cell phone or a window, you'll see what's really happening. So what is really happening in Venezuela? We have the worst inflation in the world, food shortages have people scavenging through trash for a meal, our murder rate is the highest in the region, there are no medicines in pharmacies and hospitals, people die every day for no good reason, many children have died of malnutrition, and anyone not dying is just fed up. Meanwhile, President Maduro has done nothing to resolve the situation. He's been doing just the opposite. Recent polls suggest that more than 80% of Venezuelans disapprove of his administration. And at this point, we really wonder, what the f is the other 20% thinking? But instead of listening to the people, Maduro's administration has turned into a tyrannical regime that has tried to erase the whole parliament, court-martial civilians, and crack down on protesters with an iron fist. And of course, let's not forget dancing on live TV while all of this is happening. During this recent protest cycle, over 40 people have been killed, 1,000 injured, and over 2,000 mostly young people have been detained. Those numbers are rising. Although we have the slowest internet in Latin America, thankfully, Maluda hasn't censored it yet. So millions of Venezuelans use their phones to get the news and actually report the news. Everyone's recording videos, taking pictures, uploading them to Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. That's where El Chihuira Bipolar comes in. Using fake news to comment on what's really happening. You are fake news. Okay, no, not, not that kind of fake news, but satire. Bienvenidos a Chihuire Bipolar Noticias, donde la noticia eres tú. Aunque no literalmente, porque la noticia es la noticia y ustedes son los espectadores. We take real news and give them our own twist. We use our stories to start a conversation and connect our readers, a younger, very engaged audience, with real news they won't see in traditional media. Have a laugh or two pointing out the absurdity in our so-called leadership? Hey, why not? That's why in every post we selectively backlink to an independent, serious digital news source. That way our audience can have an informed laugh. So Maduro dancing on live TV has become a symbol of censorship and, let's be honest, shame. A bizarre and cynical way to hide the truth. In this scenario, humor has become a very effective way of bypassing censorship. Maybe, just maybe, humor will help us stop the music. So ladies and gentlemen, it sounds like uh, complaining about the internet is something that unites Australia and Venezuela, if nothing else, but uh, I'm very proud to welcome to the stage now, and please make them welcome as well, the co-founders of El Chiguire Bipolar, Juan Ravel and Elio Casale, and the current editor of El Chiguire Bipolar, Jesus Roldan. Guys, welcome and uh, thank you very much for coming. Thank you. Um, thank you. Let's cover the basics. Firstly, what does El Chiguire Bipolar mean? Okay, uh, El Chiguire is a rodent, it's a capybara. Like John Howard or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. And he's, he's found in the plains of Venezuela. In Venezuela we have like a culture of satirical magazines and history where most of the magazines that existed previous to us were called by an animal's name, like El Morrocoy, Azul, Azul or the El Camaleón. So we chose the Chihuahua, which is a different animal. It's a new generation. It's so a capybara. Yeah. Yep. Excellent. All right. Well, we see you've, you've, we've all learned something um, zoological, if nothing else, <laughs> out of today. Um, and El Chihuahua has been going uh, for almost a decade yep. now, which means um, that it started 
quite a way in to uh, the Chavez era. Um, can you give us uh, your um, sort of snapshot of uh, what the situation is was in 2008 when you began and why you started up Al Okay. Yeah, uh, 2008 was a particular year because at the time Chavez was still really popular. So we could say it was 50-50, 55-45, depends on, on who you ask. But he was a really popular guy and he just won an election. And we were in a time where it was hard to, to do comedy in the sense of nobody was messing, messing with both sides. So we started doing comedy, we, we messed with the opposition, we met with, with the government as well. And that's how we started out. I don't know if you can yeah, comment. Well, uh, in 2009, see, things were hard in Venezuela, and nowadays are worse. <laughs> so <laughs> that's in, in a in a shell the situation. Yeah, and also in, in 2007 they shut down like a major TV station, so people were like really going into the internet to watch the news and everything because it was like a slow process to shutting down like TV news, real news and everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and it's interesting because uh, Juan and Elio, you uh, you were co-founders, and Jesus, you came yeah. to a degree later. later. Um, it's got much better since you took over, don't you? Yeah. Um, what? That's actually true. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, what? Uh, like, did, were you? When did you become aware of El Chaguire yourself? Since day two, I think, because it was I, I was uh, still studying college, so. When El Chihuahua came out, it was like really, really huge. I, I saw it, I think, actually, like the first week it was, it started. And I think everybody from my college was like really crazy for El Chihuahua because we in Venezuela didn't have like any, any comedy stuff for, for young people. And this was like the first thing that was like, oh, this is for me. So I really right. like it. Okay. Um, uh, how important then, guys, was the, was, the internet to the growth and spread of uh, of El Chaguire. and I'm interested to know how that's changed over the years because I mean I don't know when um, when Twitter officially started but it was well after 2008 mm -hmm. yeah um, so can, can you tell us at the beginning the first way we distributed uh, Chihuahua was through email email with a mailing list mailing wow. list yeah and then I, I think we got like our big distribution break with Twitter uh, we were like the third most followed uh, site from, not site, like Account. a person from yeah. Venezuela mm -hmm. for a while. Then they started, some celebrities started passing us. <laughs> yes, to overcome. And, and we do, we like, we messed with them for that. Yeah. Well, at the beginning we were uh, very naive. We started with a blog in Blogspot. And we take advantage. Now that's of not a word I've heard for a long time. Blogspot. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and we took avant advantage of every free tool that we can use in the internet. So internet, internet was a very powerful tool for us to start El Chihuire. And after that, when it, when the social media came, we at the beginning were a little bit reluctant, and we were like, hmm, this Twitter is. Maybe it's, <laughs> it's going to flop in two days or three days. I think, I think that was like the first way that... Yeah, the, the yeah. first... It's uh, like, we don't know if this is going to last. <laughs> yeah. So, but the social media was very important for us because it helped to, to 
Well, multiply the message exponentially. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, just to give uh, the, the audience here a sense of the sort of content that you create, we might show uh, a few quick headlines. Here we go. <laughs> to avoid depressing their customers, supermarkets shrink shopping trolleys. <laughs> Uh, can you, can you uh, do what you do on the site? Tell us the actual factual backgrounds of where this joke came from. Yeah, we actually, we usually start from something that's happening, a real verified uh, news, and we send an email and we start discussing what to do with this piece of news. This is, was basically, uh, uh, I think, a reflection on, on how we're getting crazy high inflation and yeah. scarcity. Scarcity of, of, of and, food. Uh, yeah, so we came up with the idea of well, making it small. Mm. And it's an, a, it's an age-old device from the Daily Show to the Onion to the Chaser to El Chiguire. Bit of a Photoshop. Uh, all, yeah. all, all, always gets you over the line. Always the best posts are the ones with Photoshop. That's right, okay. So what about this one then? Um, government says you don't need a passport because reading is the best way to yeah. travel. Yeah. Yeah, this one came What's out. funny about that? No. <laughs> this one came out because uh, there is like problem to getting anything in Venezuela. <laughs> also, a uh, passport became like really difficult to get because uh, it's like a whole system of corruption to find a passport. So they became like really, really hard to find and that's, that's why we made this one. Yep, okay, let's go. I, I think that one was because he said like something really crazy that the man that issued the passport. That don't I don't remember what don't it was apply for a passport yeah. if you are not going to, yeah. to travel. Yeah, well, I, I don't know why people yeah. are saying <laughs> <like, laughs> that. Yeah, really, that, that's what, that's what's real. That, that's real. <laughs> okay, and then I want to get to, whoop, yeah, we want to get to, no, we're not that one, this one here. All right. <laughs> Tell us about this headline and we'll use that as well, a... Well, this, this is basically something that we, we really thought hard about <laughs> because we really think Chavez was a, like a cool, charismatic guy that you want to be around with, but not running your country. So, <laughs> so we thought that this would be a, a, a good alternative. Yeah, I'm sure Chavez was great at parties. <laughs> I mean, in some ways that sounds better than Australia because our leaders are not charismatic. You wouldn't want them running the country and they're not charismatic. You wouldn't want them at a party either. So you're ahead. Um, that leads me though to a, a, a question of, I mean, how uh, easy and, and free were you to make fun of uh, Chavez and then uh, how has that changed um, in the post-Chavez era? Yeah, with Chavez I think there was no real danger. Mm-mm. I think Chavez was kind of tough one in the sense of his high popularity and Maduro is a little bit more uh, yeah, self-aware and, and uh, kind thin of skin. And thin skin. I think in our heads we thought that Chavez secretly enjoyed Chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we actually later we have something where he mentions when we feature them him in Isa Presidencial, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so the impetus behind El Chihuahua was it about doing comedy, or was it about um, opposition? No, it's always Comedy. 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 Yeah. Yeah. It's comedy first, and and then it got towards not opposition, but kind of journalism. Mm-hmm. So in a w- wicked way, <laughs> we didn't want to become journalists, but in a sense, like half of our brains have become journalistic in the sense that we have to verify sources. everything sources before we use because every time we post a, a, a post, uh, we backlink or we link to a real news site to complement that story because since no 
it's hard to get news in Venezuela. We think it's intelligent maybe to help people get to, to those news through satire. And to not spread rumors. Mm -hmm. So we don't do rumors. We don't mess with, uh, we have a lot of like rules. We don't mess with uh, kids, children, like kids, kids families. families from the... Uh, Sounds like you learned some lessons in, <laughs> in the abstract that it took us a uh, much longer time to work out. Um, <laughs> Uh, that, that's really interesting. Is, was that a feature of El Chaguire from the outset, or is it something that developed over well, time? Well, I, I think we, uh, we have polished over the time. At the beginning, we were uh, like in SI, trying trying something. Some sometimes we flopped. Sometimes we did uh, jokes that, b being in retrospective, are playing bad. I know that feeling. Uh, <laughs> but I think uh, over the time we were improving our policies, uh, unwritten policies of how to do a post. I don't know that feeling. But, uh, <laughs> I think we've become more editorial with times. And since the Maduro regime has become more dictatorial, well, we've had to have a stand that's a bit more proactive and not like just... Yeah, but it changed because uh, when we were doing uh, in the, the Chavez years, you, we were obviously partisan in a way, in a small yeah. way, because we hated the regime, the mm -hmm. Chavez regime, and we, uh, we were... That sounds partisan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We hated it. But with Maduro changed that in the way that he became so di di dictatorial that we had to become like pro-democracy, so mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not really like becoming partisan, it's like, well, the other side is like eating babies. So. <laughs> <laughs> the basic principles. I mean, I, I, I don't know about uni, but I, I find that interesting, that the, uh, the very self-conscious attempt to, if you like, back up jokes with evidence. Um, that's, uh, that sounds like a lot of hard work to me, um, but it's not, you, you wouldn't say that's a feature of uh, satire um, in Australia, although maybe, maybe I suppose the, the, the John Stewart, John Oliver trend is, is more sort of fact-based comedy. Um, Nick, does that sound like ethical satire to you, what the guys Well, doing? I'm just curious about your, in a way, your sort of sense of the essence of satire with respect to this because, um, you know, there's a lot of statements that can be taken as, uh, you know, taken seriously and some people, you know, often think they can back up and say, oh, I was just joking. Yeah. So we had this, you know, uh, I don't know if you saw the Washington Post recently sort of published a, uh, a recording of, uh, you know, Paul Ryan and others talking about Trump, you know, being paid by the Russians and their defence was, no, I was just joking. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm actually curious about this exact question in terms of what, what you're doing. You, 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 you know, you're presenting the, the sort of satire version and the, the facts at the same time. But, I mean, have you ever been... Uh, mistaken for telling the truth. I mean, you know, in terms of satire, that's obviously <laughs> one of the dangers, right? That people uh, will figure, you know, not actually click on the links or check what's kind of uh, under there. So, um, you know, have you guys ever been taken seriously? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Almost daily. Yeah. yeah. yeah not daily, but maybe weekly. I, I think in 2000 there was a cover of El Nacional. We yes, yeah, yeah. I'll bring that up now. Let's, yeah, let's have a look at this. This is what this is my yeah, favorite El Tigre yeah, story. Yeah, we have to give like a little context. Yeah, this a is uh, a little weird, but to, to give a little context, Chavez, we saw him first in Venezuela in 1992, and he did a coup. He did a coup, and he failed. And then he, they sent him to jail. But the media at the time kind of not supported, but were fond of him. And when he launched his presidential campaign in 1998, I believe, 
some of the media, the, the like the serious media in Venezuela were well supporters Sporting. of Chavez, mm -hmm. including the El Nacional. So we did uh, on the anniversary of the coup, we did a fake uh, front cover page. front page of El Nacional, in which they support heavily, uh, in a I don't know exaggerated yeah. way. Mm -hmm. So over the top that for us it's like obvious. So yeah, we, we yeah, like the main title says, Chavez is the best, the salvation of Venezuela. Venezuela, yeah. So uh, the weird thing is that this post every year it keeps floating back around and people started tweeting it as like this was the real front page of El Nacional on 1992 uh, February the 5th. So it started going and started going and it was kind of a snowball and we always said this is not true, this is us, we always said it but it kind of snowballed to a weird point where the government issue, is that on the video? Or it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but, uh, well I, I think this is what happened next. Okay. Yeah. We well, the government <laughs> issue, a, a, a high school... That's a history book. That's textbook. a history book. <laughs> And I, yeah, I have to say for mine, that is life throwing up the best punchline ever. <laughs> to have your fake news put into the official history. Yeah, but actually we feel kind of great guilty because <laughs> some, kid, some kids learn our stuff, like real stuff. So <laughs> that's not okay. It's weird because we feel proud, but at the same time we feel proud that we have a disastrous educational system that will do this. <laughs> Yeah, as, as a satirist or as a comedian, you have to be, you have to feel proud because when that happens, it, it means that you have a, a grasp in the in the genre in the language. So uh, as as hard as people take it for real, but as a citizen, of course, that's if shame. you read the headlines in yeah. Venezuela, yeah. it's obviously fake. Yeah, actually, our most viewed post ever is a post that people believe it was real and that's, yeah. what, that's why it's the most popular one and it's something like a, a very important politician saying that if you call them fascist they will throw you acid in the face and <laughs> people say like oh yeah that's possible that's <laughs> <laughs> that is oh, just amazing there is a clip of yeah, yeah. Let, let, let's show this clip because this is like. Uh, uh, this is. Can you give us the context of this yeah, clip? Yeah, this is we? Enrique Capriles. He was like the main opposition leader in Venezuela and former governor of one of the big states in Venezuela. Ven este libro que está aquí: Historia de Venezuela Contemporánea. Este es el libro que utilizan nuestros estudiantes en cuarto año de bachillerato de la educación de nuestras escuelas y publica el libro una portada del diario nacional esta portada de este periódico no corresponde obviamente al diario nacional esta portada la hizo el chiburo bipolar amazing amazing that is just just superb um, uh, why do you think that El Chiguire, well can you tell us a little bit about who you think the audience of El Chiguire is uh, and why, why they choose to um, view you over the many other uh, entertainments that are available on the internet? Hey, I think our many audience is 
young people, uh, people from college, I think it's that's where you get into a Chihuahua because younger people don't care about politics. Mm -hmm. So when you're a college student, you get yeah. interested into politics and they go there. And I think they continue over the years. If, if you, I think if you read El Chihuahua, since you're in college, you continue doing it for a couple of more years. Um, let's let's admit that there's 10% of all people who believe what you vote. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's that's real. Um, uh, has I mean, in, I suppose in the Chase's case, the ability to do new satire on the web initially, uh, and then as a newspaper, led to the uh, ability to do TV and to waste uh, taxpayers' money uh, by making television. <laughs> um, does the what I mean when you're criticising a government uh, not known for its uh, democratic uh, practices? Uh, does being behind El Chiguire, uh lead to opportunities in the mainstream media? Yeah, I, I would love that to be true, but no, it's actually impossible for us to do a, a show on on the media. Even the the private, private media, yeah. it's yeah. impossible for us to do a satire show that messes with the government. It's it's not even thinkable. Yeah, because the private channels in Venezuela are they do hard sell censorship because they don't want to get the sponsors out or they don't want to get shut down, so they won't accept us. Is that something that you've experienced in uh, other work that you've done or do you, um, do you feel more freedom to, uh, to speak in El Chiguire than in other formats? We feel free to speak on Chihuahua, but at the same time, there's like hard evidence of how it's impossible for us to cross the bridge to TV or radio. Is that hard evidence? No, so what's the hard evidence? The hard evidence is, for example, Isla Presidencial is a show we, we did in which we showed the presidents of Venezuela, Colombia, Argentina, Brazil, and the King Spain. of Spain, and some other Latin American leaders. They were drowned. They, they, they ended up in a desert island, and they had to fence for themselves, and find food and yeah, see them suffering like we wanted to. <laughs> so uh, when we did that series, uh, we uploaded it on YouTube because nobody wanted to, to pay, to no channel would to record, air it. Broadcast it. So uh, we got a huge following, we got a huge press coverage from outside Venezuela mm -hmm. because we, I don't know, BBC, New York Times, CNN, CNN, CNN. A, a lot of coverage, mm -hmm. but no Venezuelan TV news outlet would ever hear that. Even the coverage of this is going well. Mm. So actually, I remember that we were to a TV show in a private channel. We're talking about other stuff. I don't remember. And they show the the, the production team put some videos of Isla Presencial behind us, and we have to reshoot everything because we couldn't even have like the cartoons of the president behind the behind us. So. We have to reshoot everything <laughs> just because of it. Uh, it. It is amazing the scale of. I mean, how many views did um, Eli get? And we might just show a little bit. Over 50 million, I believe. 50 million views. That's not bad. Um, here's just a quick example, and you'll also see some of the. Well, you'll also see some of the uh, reactions uh, from some of the politicians. Let's just. See. I think this is this clip to set it up. Is uh, we Chavez did very long speeches sitting down. And we were kind of messing on how long they were and how he changed from subject to subject. And in a way, we kind of wrote an episode where he and Evo Morales is beside him, and he's listening. Evo is listening to Charles talk and talk and talk and talk. And one day, that actually happened in a cadena. Uh, Chavez was speaking and talking and talking and talking, 
and Eva was there quiet. <laughs> and during that cadena, that broadcast on Venezuelan television, Chavez realized that he was self-aware and he realized this is very similar to that episode. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a quick uh, highlight of Ila uh, Completamente enamorados, como borrachos yo no sé de qué, entre las sombras de los árboles. Nosotros vino mi hijo, vino mi hijo con una, papá mira esto, aquí los ponen a hacer, nos ponen a todos nosotros a Evo. Y entonces hay un momento en el que Evo está cantando y yo le digo, y le digo, Evo, ahí no va coro, Evo. Amarnos bien. No, ahí no, va, ahí no entra coro, Evo. Pero hay Chico, un... cállate, si no sabes cantar, no canten. Y le ponen la voz a nosotros, compadre. Y gozan un igualito. Por ahí se burlan en la isla presidencial de mí, porque yo siempre digo esa palabra. Qué bonito, qué bonito, qué hermoso. Qué linda, qué bonitas mariposas. Las voy a meter en un frasco para siempre, ¿verdad? Para que vuelen libremente por donde yo les diga. Además me ponen muy bruto, yo no soy tan bruto así. Y muy gordo, me llaman el gordo. Pues soy con ese, cosita. Uno puede cometer errores ortográficos cuando piensa. ¡Qué difícil es pensar! Se la hace el hijo de Rabel, de Alberto Federico Rabel. I think I, I, I can know Miss Chavez in a very sick way. <laughs> uh, I mean, why, uh, in, when there's so much repression in Venezuela, how is it that you are still able to publish and, and, and that you are tolerated? In, for example, this, in this example of Maduro doing this, we saw that video and it was great for us because we got a lot of feedback and publicity from it and more views. And when we saw it, we we're, were like, okay, the next episode we're going to hit him hard. But we're not just going to call him stupid and fat. We're going to hit him on this and this issue. And he never mentioned it again. Mm. So it was like, maybe this was a way of us recognizing that we were hitting him too, too soft. Okay, I see. Um, but do you think that, that as in terms of media management, Maduro got a bit wise yeah. and decided not to give you the oxygen, if you yeah. like? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, and even Chavez, when Chavez uh, mentioned Isla, he didn't call us by our name. He, he didn't say Isla Presencial. Because he knew that, yeah, he said Acatú, because he <laughs> knew that that was kind of a boost for us. And Maduro, who is not very smart. <laughs> <laughs> he called us our name and we were like cheering in the office like... <laughs> Can I just ask about the, in the, in the promotional video that we saw, you know, before, that, that there was this kind of mention of the idea that, there's, that, that, that this humour gives you the safety in a way, the sort of the, the, this is the, gives you the cover that allows you to actually say yeah. things in a way that wouldn't otherwise be possible. I mean, how do you think that works? If it's so kind of clear to people what, what's going on and what you're really saying. What is it about satire? What is it about humour that allows you to, that, that actually gives you that safety? I mean, I'm sort of just following up on this question. Mm, absolutely. Is it the deniability or what, what do you think is going on? I think it's basically because the, the reader is the one who, who makes the final argument and, and it's, it's not presented in a way that's full frontal. It's just that you read it and you understand the reference and you finish the joke. So it's kind of, and it's very hard. It looks silly for a politician to crack down on a satirist because... Except... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just responsible. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I, I think, yeah, I think it gives us some kind of protection because it's, it's harder to tackle for them. And also because I think because we attack the, also the opposition. So I think there are some people very from the government that uh, it, they see it like very neutral. Well not in the Maduro government, but 
in Chavez era it was like ah, they're kind of neutral I think um, not neutral but yeah they hit both in, sides in Venezuela they have bigger fish to fry right. maybe when they get all them came, came off what about other journalists and uh, other people in journalism who aren't doing satire but who are presumably getting in trouble and, and getting treated badly I mean are you are you collaborating with them are you working together with them well, uh, since we defend a, a freedom of, of, of speech, yeah, we have to be solidarity with all the journalists, the, the real journalists that get cracked down and jailed. And yes, that, that's something that we have done in the past. It's interesting as well. Uh, I, I gather that you sense that there may be a more specific crackdown on the media and free expression in, in Venezuela because of some new legislation. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, there's a new law that's called the anti-hate law, which we don't know what the hell it is. <laughs> but it's, it's very vague. It's very vague. It's very hard to see how they're going to implement it. It's not defined who defines what hate, hate is. But it, we think that since the recent protests that are already over right now, uh, maybe it's to crack down on digital media, which they haven't touched much. They have, but not that much. Uh, because there's certainly uh, calls after, you know, the sort of the incredible rise of the, the concept of fake news uh, after um, the last presidential election, uh, calls for more regulation of the way news is distributed on social media and um, things like that. Uh, I imagine the idea of regulation of social media looks pretty different um, from where you guys are sitting. Yeah, but uh, we actually were like kind of worried about Facebook cracking down on fake news because I think the chaser, maybe the onion or Twitter, <laughs> we are in like a kind of great terrain that I don't know if what they do to us because we're fake news. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. I don't know if they will censor censorship but us. We are fake but news but without agenda. That's yeah, the yeah. And yeah, maybe that's the, the I think that the, those are the fake news that they are uh, following, the fake news that are clearly with a purpose, with a political purpose. Well, it's hard for you not to, to say that you have a political purpose, right? I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we kind of, but we are not partisan per se. Okay. So, if uh, if the Maduro regime um, changed tomorrow, um, it would be. Back to work as usual for yes, El Chiguire yes. to take on the new government. After a good yeah. party. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It, would, it would really be great to be like the opposition of the opposition. We yeah. really want that. <laughs> yeah, yeah we would like to change the cast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, we've been doing like, well, this for almost 10 years, and there are some days, some days that the problems are the same every day. So I get like fed up some days, like, ah. Oh, I have to talk about deflation again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, yeah, I know that feeling. We, we, um, our attempt to uh, create political change in Australia produced the second longest-serving Conservative Prime Minister in the history of Australia, um, and it meant that by the time we were getting most popular, we were doing our worst jokes on John Howard and all that sort of stuff because we'd done it before. It's like yeah. it's hard to keep it yeah. keep it new. Um, uh, are you? Um, what do you think the future for El Chiguire is? Uh, are you optimistic? Uh, about it, uh, and um, how long do you think it will continue? Well, it depends. If you are asking about the future of Venezuela, maybe 
But if you are asking about our future as a web page uh, or maybe as a company, I am very positive. I think we are going to keep going on on what we do. Uh, even if it's Maduro uh, sitting in office or opposition or another Chavista, I don't know, but we are going to do, keep doing that because that's what we do. Yeah, actually, we, we had like a discussion that if they shut down internet, that was something that really was, they were kind of flirting with it in early this year that we thought that we'd, it could happen like a total ban, like a China-style firewall. Mm -hmm. And we thought, like, I, I don't know, we do it like in Telegram, WhatsApp, I don't know. <laughs> we have to share the, our stuff yeah. somewhere because but it, it, we'll, we'll continue doing it even in that situation. And it's true, you were saying, isn't it, that, that WhatsApp is one of the, the biggest ways that... Yeah. WhatsApp is most, the most search we got is from WhatsApp, but it's hard to, to track them. Mm -hmm. It's hard to track something because sometimes people take just a screen cap of the news and they share it and it becomes a photo and that's untrackable. And sometimes those are the ones that people end up believing. Mm. <laughs> um, look, we'll, we'll throw it open to questions in a minute. So there are two microphones down here if you'd like to ask a question. Uh, please do remember that strict 280 character limit um, <laughs> because we do want to get through as many questions as possible. So if you'd like to ask a question, do come, uh, come forward now. Um, one of the things... Uh, that, that's striking to me is that there's a sort of four, that there's a, uh, the new satire form is something that seems to be capable of operating in many different countries and in different languages. Um, are there things, uh, features of, that you would describe as distinctly Venezuelan sense of humour? Yes. 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 But it's like words. Or it's, it's yeah, it's very, it's very specific in the way that I think we talk and we address people, I think. Uh, yeah, so I think it's not, oh, it's not specifically, specifically Venezuelan. I think it's like a Caribbean sense of humor. Right. Yeah, yeah. We share like the same kind of humor that's different like the, in the southern parts of Latin America. And, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, there is a style. I don't know what it is, but there is a style. And so is El Chaguire similar to, are there, are there similar publications in other Latin American countries with a similar yeah. scale yeah. of following? Yes, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think the one that we feel more close to is the one in Spain called El Mundo Today, mm -hmm. which is, we love that site. And there's one in uh, Puerto Rico, Peñame, and in Colombia there's one that's called Actualidad Panamericana. Yeah. And in Mexico, the format that's morphing into something more like BuzzFeed. Yeah. I, I, think, I think it's kind of weird that every country has its version of this, and it's it's rare to find two or three. It's mostly just one that ends up holding power. I don't know if you guys are. We're like the Rupert Murdoch of satire. Yeah, yeah. With right now. <laughs> um, uh, again, if anyone wants to ask a question, you're most welcome. Um, uh, no, no, there's no free expression here at all. Um, not you, though. So no. um, <laughs> please come on down. And also, sir, if you'd like to come down. And madam, yes, it's great. So, okay. What limit do you place on yourself on account of the threat you may feel in the context of where you do your work? Did you guys ca catch the, the question? What, what limits do, do, do the guys place on themselves in terms of threats that they might perceive? Threats? Yeah, well, we kind of mentioned that we don't mess with the... Families of the politicians. We don't do like direct attacks to people in a personal level. 
Yeah. I think we do it in a political level, in a in a something that they do in their policies and everything. But we don't know it. We don't do it in a personal level. And we try to ignore rumors, and we try to ignore the the way, yeah, s some of the gossip around the politicians. Yeah. Have you been subject to legal action? Not yet. <laughs> you described it dictatorial, the regime, in a sense. So that might cause some, um, well, limits on just on account of that. Like you, you know, you might get prosecuted or or have um, satir satir satirists been prosecuted, for example, in Venezuela? Uh, there was a satirist that got in trouble because he mentioned in an article, he, he wrote an article dedicated to the uh, turtle of the daughter, Rosines, yeah. which is the, the daughter, daughter of Chavez. So that's the thing, when, when, the, when you mess with children, they're kind of like, very, very, very hard on you. And actually, the Venezuelan dictatorship is like very elegant in the way that they do their things. I know that there are like a lot of comedians, the, big, the biggest comedians in Venezuela, they don't jail them, but they shut down the venues where they, where they have the shows. So if you are a comedian, you want to go, I don't know, to a place, they'll send you like the, I don't know, the IRS, the, 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 the tax people to mm -hmm. shut down the venue. And that's like the way they work. So, so, yeah. Interesting. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Um, hello, gentlemen. Um, yeah, the um, there was an attempted coup against Chavez um, that had a very interesting situation where the uh, uh, there was announcement that the coup was taking place because I think somebody had been killed and they blamed the Chavez government and in fact it turned out they actually hadn't been killed and the timing was out by a few minutes. So <laughs> I think that's right. So I just wonder if you could enlighten me on that because obviously being comedians, timing is obviously very crucial. <laughs> yeah, um, comedy and coups. Yeah. That's right. And if that question is too difficult. Another question I'm sure we're all interested in is how is it that Venezuela is so successful in the Miss Universe and Miss World contest <laughs> which won the other day? You've won six Miss Worlds and seven Miss uh, Universes so other Venezuelan women that beautiful and now Donald Trump doesn't like you, you're never going to win again? It's, it's because our genes. <laughs> but, but actually, I, think, I think this is the worst people to ask that. Yeah. We're, we're so ashamed that we're good at only that. Yeah. <laughs> actually, we made... That's one of the subjects that people really got mad at us because I hate that we are recognized because of the, most, the Miss Universe and everything because it's so useless that <laughs> it's like something that... It's, it's something so sad to be proud of. So <laughs> and we make like really hard jokes on the Miss Venezuela page and, and everything. And people really, we, we had like kind of a backlash. Mm, interesting, interesting. Um, and and now, now the, the uh, arguably difficult segue from uh, Miss Universe to the timing of a coup in your country. <laughs> okay, we weren't, uh, we weren't on the air when, when that coup happened. Yeah, but that was uh, in 2002. Yeah, we're post. Uh, 2002, and there was it was a very confusing Mom. day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people got uh, killed that day, and the bullets came from the police, from supporters of Chavez, and from supporters of the opposition. So it was a, it was a terrible day. The decisions the opposition made uh, while taking people. power were terrible, the worst ever. So, I don't know, I think that we all agree that was a terrible day in every way. And it just happened, it was like three days. We had like 
three a, new, a new president. It was like one day, a yeah. Friend. The next day we have <laughs> another one, and we have like another one in the third day. It was, it was awful. That just sounds like, like Australian Prime, Prime Minister politics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank uh, you, sir. Thank you for uh, we'll, we'll come to you next, but sir. Uh, I was wondering, uh, suppose the censorship in Venezuela uh, escalates. So say, suppose tomorrow Chavez decided to to censor the internet, just like what happens in, in China, or maybe even worse. So what will you guys do in such a scenario? Well, the first thing is Chavez had to resurrect, and that would be super weird. <laughs> Although, and if that he, he, he did believe he was capable of that, didn't he? Uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. If that happens tomorrow, we are going to stay here. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you, you have higher. higher. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you have great immigration policy. That's right, yeah, yeah. We're, we're very welcoming to foreigners. Uh. discuss what what is going to happen with us in that scenario yeah and we have given a hard thought on that uh, we are basically flee through Colombia <laughs> is it something that you actually put like do you have technical plans in place for how would you publish in that yeah, situation no no right that's because they both discussion yeah, right but, but that's it, because they both live in the United States <laughs> <laughs> Living in Venezuela, and that, and that <laughs> is interesting. On the ground. That's yeah. right, yeah, yeah. But that is interesting because the the, the immigration from Venezuela has been huge. Yeah. Um, yep. uh, can you give us a sense of what what sort of scale? I think uh, the number is about two million people in the last seventeen years, and that's a country of thirty million people. So that's a lot of immigrants. And, and this year it's been huge. It's been yeah, it's been amazing and, and terrible. And for the first time in Venezuela, we're experiencing that. We're still receiving immigrants. We took a lot of people from the Second World War. We took a lot of people from the Spanish Civil War. Uh, but now it's from like the dictatorships of South America. From the dictatorship mm -hmm. of South America. And now it's our time to go back to those countries and say, hey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. don't forget Got a job. As <laughs> <laughs> you were saying that in your family, how many cousins have you got? Uh, we were, we've got 14 uh, cousins. And how, many, and, and how many live in Venezuela? Then? Three. Three. Including me. Yeah, right. Myself, yeah. 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 yeah, and that's usual. Uh, uh, <laughs> there, is a, there is an awful joke that a friend says that we started to have like backup friends. <laughs> because everybody, everybody was living. Yeah. Yeah. Is so it you me? Have, yeah. You have to have like, ah, this is my backup I friend. I did that. Come here. Yeah. <laughs> we, did, we did a headline that I like about that theme that was like a farewell party. Like, it's a, it's a photo of a bunch of people. Uh, and we, with one guy looking sad and the other ones are super happy and there's a farewell party to the only one staying in the country. <laughs> so it's very Yeah, cool. that's a very, it's a very, it's a very huge problem. It, like it's, it's interesting though that, um, I mean I know that it's true of the big banner um, media organisations, places like The, the Guardian um, have had to come up with very detailed strategies for dealing with what would happen if uh, both cyber attacks and then also if they're shut down um, you know, by the American government when it was a, the WikiLeaks investigation and things like that. And obviously that's something that you guys have, have had to consider um, we, we as well. Once, we once got, I was personally hacked and they stole the domain. Uh, the hackers stole the domain and it was like, we paid ransom money <laughs> and he gave it back. Really? Yeah. Yep. yeah. That, but I don't know if it was the government or just a kid who's really bright. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that did happen also to the Chaser once. One of, <laughs> one of our uh, uh, 
ABC domains was uh, registered by a 19-year-old Perth guy. Um, and we were like, Chaser can't really object to that. That's fair enough. Okay, good on you. Go for it. Uh, but the ABC wasn't happy. Um, that's, um, that's fascinating. Does that answer your question, sir? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you for your question. <coughs> Given the, um, some of the news are already so ridiculous, how do you satire the already ridiculous? Okay, no, sometimes we have problems with that. <laughs> when, when, when reality is too ridiculous, we're, we, I think we... We usually ignore it. <laughs> we sometimes yeah. ignore it and we sometimes do something super, super serious. For example, in, in uh, uh, April Fool Day in Venezuela, is, uh, our version of April Fool is December 28th. Yeah, yeah the Day of Innocent. Innocent Day. So that day, news outlets in Venezuela and mostly print newspapers, they issue one fake news like as a joke. And that day we, the, the page is completely flipped over and we do real news for one day. <laughs> we're like, no, but this is our job. Real serious editorial news. Yeah, like <laughs> murder rates and <laughs> terrible things. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a brick. <laughs> <laughs> one time we also had like Chavez in a cadena. Cadena is a mandatory broadcast. He said uh, that uh, there was life in Mars and <laughs> capitalism destroyed it. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do we do after that? <laughs> we, we did like a piece about the history of Mars by Chavez, but we couldn't make a joke about yeah, it. At the, end, <laughs> at the end, some people thought that yeah. we said that, that Chavez never actually said that, that that was a joke that we made up. <laughs> And uh, uh, could you tell us about the redirect that you did on, um, uh, on April Fool's Day yeah, as well? Oh yeah, one April Fool's Day, we, we like, put a, a banner on the side that said, if you want a real fake news, click on this. And we, when you click, you go to the state-owned media, which is <laughs> basically really fake news. Like North Korea. <laughs> North Korea. Hi. Uh, do you all have to deal with um, state-sponsored uh, trolls online? Oh, trolls. Yeah. 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 State of trolls. Yeah. I think in the early or days. Or general trolls. In yeah, the early, yeah, in the early days of Achibuya, I think we had, we got those, but yeah. not right now. No. That's, that, that's very interesting. And, um, and thank you, Madam, for your question as well, because um, something that I uh, do notice is that the, the gender mix of uh, satirical newspapers tends to be very male. Uh, and that seems to be something that's international as well. But it's also the case in questions a lot of the time. So I would encourage uh, you as an audience to take collective responsibility for getting a bit of gender equity into the question asking. Um, uh, what is, I mean, uh, The Chaser was probably the, one of Australia's leading satirical patriarchal institutions for quite some time. <laughs> Got a little bit, little bit better on uh, the checkout these days. Um, but uh, what is the... the, the situation with the gender mix at El Chiguira and in comedy generally in Venezuela? We are the best writers we can find. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, right now we've, we have... Uh, that's a terrible answer, right? <laughs> no, but yeah. Uh, and, and we have a couple of... Uh, I don't know, yeah. three, two three. women right now on the team. We've had all, all women previously, but yeah, it's mostly male. No, and we, we acknowledge the problem because, yeah, there was... We, we did like some kind of web show and we were talking about woman harassment, and it was all male writing it. Mm. And then we, we she she actually was quitting the, the company, <laughs> but we called her because like, of the harassment. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but we called her like, okay, please check this 
that this this piece that we're writing, and she said like this is all wrong. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, That's we true. have to rewrite everything. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and we consciously tried to improve that, and well, now we have like more gender equality on it. Yeah. I mean, I know the Onion's uh, the same. The, the the editor of, of the Onion is um, female, and they re- they've been increasing uh, the percentage. But I still think it's I think it's around thirty something percent. Yeah. In um, so it's but better I than the Liberal Party uh, parliamentary representation, <laughs> but not as good as Labor. So it's it in that middle zone. It may be a very Venezuelan example. I don't I don't I don't really know the situation about women in other countries. But uh, this this girl that worked with us, she told us that she tried to do stand-up comedy. And she told us that men doing stand-up comedy were like really confident about it and family supported them. And when she tried to do stand-up comedy, her family was like really reluctant to it. So mm. yeah, she, their family, she, her family was like asking her every time like, you really like this? You really like this? And she, was, she felt like very annoyed by that. And she told me that that's a thing. Mm. It does remind me of the last year's Chaser lecturer, uh, Saktiya Maruf, who's... Uh, Indonesia's first uh, female Muslim stand-up comedian who performs in the um, uh, with an Islamic veil, and she encountered incredible challenges in setting up um, both both from her family and and then also yeah like the infrastructure of comedy yeah, uh, is just yeah. not um, not Very not friendly. supportive yeah that's right. Yeah. Um, thank you, sir, for your question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, thanks. You, you mentioned uh, your reach, uh, I guess, in Latin America, but I'm curious to know what you think your reach is in the United States with over 80 million Spanish speakers. Um, I've had recent experience of trying to get a media story up in Australia from American media sources in Spanish language, and I've found that you know, getting it back into English back in the States is quite, has been quite an ordeal. Um, just um, just feel, the feel is that there might be some political perspectives in the like the Spanish media in um, the USA. I'm curious to know what you think about how uh, satire is reaching the um, Spanish speakers of um, the United States at a time where, sorry, I know this is going on a bit, um, but uh, you've got the um, experience of the uh, Univision journalist uh, during the Donald Trump election yeah. mm-hmm. being frog-marched out of a press um, conference. Um, and, and generally, you've got Donald Trump wanting to put bombs on everyone's head. Yeah, yeah well, I think the uh, Hispanic market in, in or population in the United States, it's a big market, it is, but they, it is uh, heterogeneous, and it has its own issues, its own problems that are not the same that people in Venezuela have or maybe in other countries. So. It is, it is like a gold mine in there, but you have to attack it with a very special and particular perspective because if, if we just put the, the jokes or the post of Echiwire, they are not going so well because people don't understand that. They don't get the reference. Yeah. Echiwire is very Venezuelan. Yeah. Very local. Very local. And most of the views we got from the US, they're increasing right now because yeah. people are going to the US. Venezuelans. Venezuelans are going to the US. Mm-hmm. So mostly South Florida and Houston and New York. And we get, I don't know, about 20% of our audience maybe in the United States or 10, 15, depending on the day. And that's mostly Venezuelans who have left the country. 
Yeah, no. no, so I think the Spanish-oriented media in the United States is trying like to to find a unicorn that doesn't exist. That is like this second generation Hispanic that speaks Spanish, and I don't think they don't consume media in Spanish. They they do it in English. So it, I think it's kind of a loss of time to yeah. do it in Spanish. And we'll come to the next question over here. Just just one quick follow up before we do. Has um, doing El Chiguero from outside Venezuela changed your perspective on what you do? Um, and do you have to? Uh, does it change the risk profile as well, or are you just you just know that it's going to be Jesus who goes to jail, so it's not? Yeah, <laughs> we've got a backup plan to take it. Another editor. I think it's good to be in the country because you get a sense of, of things happening in the street, obviously, and we're not going to push a story if the guys from Caracas don't agree. Obviously, yeah. it has to come from within the, the people who are writing and, and living it. Um, but we sometimes try to do jokes about the, for example, the recent uh, wave of protests, Venezuelans all over the world were like following the news every day. And if you had, and, and we did a post about a super mad uh, boss and his Venezuelan employee at, I don't know, New York City or wherever, on how this guy's not working because he's watching all day the news about Venezuela. Mm -hmm. So we sometimes have the perspective of the Venezuela who has left the country. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but yeah, I think it's always like cross-checked and verified with, with Caracas. So yeah. we don't feel out of touch. Yeah, because uh, the news cycle in Venezuela is really, really crazy. It changes <laughs> like daily. And sometimes uh, you guys say, say, uh, say uh, sorry, uh, tell me stuff about, I don't know, inflation or uh, scarcity. Uh, scarcity is a, a good example. About six months ago, there was a lot of scarcity, food scarcity, but right now there is no scarcity. Right now it's that the food is so expensive that nobody can buy it. So, can buy it. so it changed mm. like a lot. Mm. And you have to live there to know that, because otherwise you, you, you wouldn't know it. Yeah. Sir? Um, it, a lot of the satire in the US, um, in the, in the last year or so, of course, is dominated by Donald Trump, and they com they comment on that that it's really hard to talk about anything but him. Um, do you guys find it hard to talk? And do you have a motivation to talk about other things besides Maduro and Chavez, or is that just what dominates the news? So that dominates your posts. And I suppose in the Onion, there's like the area man yeah, type yeah. joke, which is like a sort of generic observational type of comedy. Mm -hmm. um, how much of that sort of stuff do you do as well? We do a lot of commenting on ourselves, I mean, mm. yeah. self criticizing. Yeah, bunch. Yeah, I, there was a funny thing that happened, I think, with The Onion and with us. We were like, he, when Chavez was president, he was uh, like this really crazy person. <laughs> and we talk about Chavez every day. We, we, you, you couldn't get out of the new cycle of Chavez. And we changed it to a more broader picture of, uh, about politics because it became like really boring to talk about just Maduro. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think to the onion happened to the, the, the other way. They were like really broad and now they're all into Trump yeah. because Trump is like Asian. Bigger than <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. And orange. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man? Um, I think I might be putting you in the spot by asking this question, but I think this is something that a lot of Venezuelans will be interested in. Um, Absolutely, go ahead. A lot of Venezuelans are right now very upset at the opposition leadership <laughs> because they think that the leadership hasn't actually been much of a leadership or they've made a lot of mistakes or anything like that. So I would like to 
ask you as a personal question, um, what do you think about the leadership? And when I mean the leadership, I don't mean the mood, mm -hmm. because you know mm -hmm. we can all agree. But I mean people like Maria Corina, like Lilian or Capriles, you know Leopoldo. What are your thoughts, guys? I, I think that the opposition has made many, many mistakes in the in the past decade or more, obviously. But our main thoughts are with the our main criticism goes to the government in the sense that they leave little room to to work with. For example, next year we're going to have elections in Venezuela, presidential elections probably, and the people who would maybe content Maduro and, and, and maybe win that election that for me is like maybe Capriles or maybe Leopoldo Lopez, they're kind of popular, they won't be able to run. So Maduro's speaking his, his counterpart. So the system is like fixed for them to fail and they're failing because of the way it is set up. It's not only by their own actions. So it's kind of a tricky... I was trying to remember, you, and you've done a headline about sort of disunity in the opposition, is that right? Yeah. The, yeah. Can you remember? I can't remember what the headline was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was uh, like... They, they were uh, like, disappeared for two weeks negotiating, I don't know what, and we, we did a headline signaling that NASA sent a probe to see if there was intelligent life in opposition headquarters. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, in, in my personal opinion, I think the, different, the difference is that in El Chavismo, Chavismo, the, the, the government, they are like an army. They are used to obey, and, and it's like a, it's like a, like Third a sect, military. like a cult. They, they are, they don't question, don't, yeah. they just follow. In opposition, they, there are very different positions, and they struggle all the time and they have the, their aspirations and they have their, their goals and I think, you ask my opinion, I think they, they are more interested in their particular agenda than yeah. in, the, in the welfare of the whole society. Yeah, and there are like, also this is very personal for me, <laughs> it's, not, it's not like the opinion of a <laughs> uh, There are some politicians like Menacorina that they are just like pandering for me because they say like, oh, the only thing that we have to do is to end with Chavismo. Okay, okay that's great. We, that would be like really easy, but there is no plan for doing it. So it's really complex. <laughs> that, that's really complex. I think. I think another really um, little thing would be, do you think maybe the people are being a little bit too hard on the opposition leaders? And if yeah, there was something you could sure. say to the Venezuelan people to unite them, what would that be? Subscribe to Etchegui. I say that it's really healthy to be very critical to the opposition because yeah. that's the best thing that you have, you can do. But remember who you're fighting. Yeah, yeah, but, but yeah, that's yeah, yeah. bigger fish. There is a we have, we <laughs> have yeah, like, like we said, like the opposition is this group of people trying to overthrow the this really huge structure that it's so huge that, that that it seems like useless what they are doing but it's not because they are useless well they are kind of useless but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's because they think it's so big that you would need like 10 times the opposition <laughs> in, in, in a political sense not in, in and I also I would like to add that 
I'd say to Venezuelans being opposition or pro-government or even I'd say saying that to Australians that all this history that has gone through the last 20 years, almost 20 years, should be an example of how democracy should be cherished and taken care of and never taken that for granted. Because, Bravo. I, I mean, we Venezuelans are having a hard time. We are not the worst in the planet because we have like North Korea and Syria and we have to give, uh, using them as an example, uh, having a right perspective on how we are essentially <laughs> But we, we can be always worse. So we have to fight, so hold on to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and on that happy note. We have, we have to fight with all our means at our, our reach to try to not get that fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Elia. That's great. And thank you for your question, Matt. Thank you. Thank you. Um, sir. Um, yeah, give her a round of applause. <laughs> Excellent question. Linking back to the title of uh, fake news, um, one of the objectives of fake news is to obfuscate and confuse and maybe make things less clear. Um, satire can do a lot of that as well. It mm. actually adds to the pool of confusion, oh, of messages, etc. Do you, does it worry that perhaps your um, you're allowed to do what you do because in some ways you're distracting from the substantive matters rather than actually drawing attention to them. And this is one of the core arguments that's used against satire anywhere. Um, and frankly, I think there's, there's some substance in it, but what, what do you guys that's think? That's a good uh, uh, thought, and uh, it might be. I don't know. It might be. No, I think, yeah, uh, sometimes it's we try not to do what we do as evasive comedy. We sometimes do it, yeah. probably. Yeah, because also because sometimes the writers are fed up yeah. <laughs> about politics. The people are fed up, so we have to talk about other stuff because otherwise you will get crazy. But so that, so it can have the function of a release sometimes, and yeah. then other times it's about focusing sometimes on the Sometimes it's therapy, and sometimes, yeah, we're tackling really hard issues on how government should work, and how is that bad? How is telling a young audience of readers that we should have separation of powers and an independent electoral system, bad. I, I think that some jokes maybe fall into that category, but we try hard to, to also do the other stuff. Do you get much of a sense from your readers, do you hear from young readers that they have sort of, that their political perspectives have changed through, through either reading El or, or what's linked I'm not from El sure I'm not sure if we change minds. Yeah. Uh, probably not. I think it would be presumptuous to say that, but uh, we probably kind of help being from the opposition a, a bit cooler. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But sometimes, like there are like really nice discussion on the on the comments of the of the of the of the articles, and sometimes you see the comments and are so awful and that you really didn't get the article, mm -hmm. <laughs> and some people answer it. With the with the real argument that we were make, we were trying to make in the article, so there is a discussion happening. And so you feel like the debate is yeah, happening on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that yeah. sounds better than the comments of the uh, the Telegraph or the Australian. So that's a, <laughs> there's something there. Exactly. Like for example, the issue on price controls. We have huge price controls in Venezuela, and that brings to scarcity and to not finding products. So and but some people from the opposition like price controls because they want stuff to be cheap. So we sometimes, I think I remember a post we did that's something like uh, 
like a person supports price controls unless it's against his own business. So it's kind of like making an argument while doing the, the satire of think of what you're thinking, think of what you're saying and what you're supporting because it might come back to you. So and probably in that article, the worst there was people like saying, no, the businesses are evil. Mm. Right. So yeah, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, we've probably only got time for a couple more questions. So thank you for your question, sir. And we might take these as the as the last two, sir. And then, okay. madam, we'll Hi. take you. Hi. I know that in Australia, we're quite privileged that our satirists are actually supported by people like the ABC. So my question is, um, can you tell us a bit more about the people who support El Chiquire? The <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and, and by support, you mean like institutional support and, and yeah. funding as well? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we basically funded by ourselves doing other things. So we do political satire in the States. Uh, we've done things in the States. We've done things in Venezuela for web. Uh, there's an OTT, uh, an OTT is like a Netflix, but a Criollo version of Netflix in Venezuela called Vivo Play. We produce two TV shows for them, they're also political. So we use the other projects that, that to fund to to fund a Chihuahua. So it's self-subsidized. Yes. And yeah. we got some money from the Bacala Palo yeah. Prize, which we all drank <laughs> already. <laughs> Actually, that's something that we envy of the Chaser, because he they got the show on a, on, a, on, a, on a public funded TV mm. channel that never would happen in Venezuela, never. Yep. Just because of the quality of these jokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, okay, does that answer your question? Yes. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank All right, you. And, we, and we've probably only got time for one more, but madam. Do you have a formula? <laughs> like in content creation, you usually follow a set of guidelines. Um, you know, whether it be journalism or comedy, do you have, you know, during the course of the time that you've been producing the magazine, well, not the magazine, but, you know, the publication, have you encountered, okay, these are like a few, you know, golden rules that, you know, we know work yeah, for us? I, I think it's a long book. Yeah. It's like this. <laughs> every, every page is be funny. No, <laughs> I, I, think, I think I'd say if, if I had to say, I think hard work, being constant in what you do, learn from the errors, and have fun doing it. Yeah. Huh? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, I, I hope you'll agree. It's been fascinating to uh, speak to the guys. Please give a big round of applause to El Chiquire before that. <laughs> and thanks also to Nick uh, and to the University of Sydney. And thank you to all of you for coming to Sydney ID. Thanks for listening to the Sydney Ideas podcast series. For more information about our upcoming events or to listen to more podcasts, head to sydney.edu.au forward slash sydney underscore ideas.